Welcome to another episode of the Love Your Story podcast, where I get to delve into people's amazing stories to learn from their experiences and share that with you. Today, I have two guests with me. This is a new approach for Love Your Story. But this story, the death of Kylie Bruce, is one of surviving and thriving for those she left behind. And the two people who loved and lost in this story are Kylie's mother, Gaylene, and her fiance, Brandon Forsyth. Together, they will tell the story of her tragic loss and the ways that they have found to survive. Stay tuned. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. I want to start today with a a poem from Maya Angelou. It's called, When I Think of Death. When I think of death, and of late the idea has come with alarming frequency, I seem at peace with the idea that a day will dawn when I no longer be among those living in this valley of strange humors. I can accept the idea of my own demise, but I am unable to accept the death of anyone else. I find it impossible to let a friend or relative go into that country of no return. Disbelief becomes my close companion, and anger follows in its wake. I answer the heroic question, death, where is thy sting? With, it is here in my heart and mind and memories. Joining me today are Gaylene and Brandon, both from Oregon. When Gaylene was young, her father shot her mother and then committed suicide. From a young age, Gaylene had the opportunity to figure out how to process loss, But she says that one of the things that is most important about her story is the way she has learned from others how to do this and that it can be done. Her life has included the loss of her parents, a marriage through divorce, and then the loss of her daughter Kylie when she was killed in an automobile accident. And her process of seeking for tools and processing pain has been an important part of her journey. When Kylie died in a car accident in December of 2016, she was carrying Brandon, her fiance's child. Brandon said, I'm not an expert on love. I was just really good at loving Kylie. My story is one of true love, grief, and how I found a way to keep my Kylie's legacy alive. I haven't yet been able to overcome grief completely, and I doubt I ever will, but I have found a way to keep waking up every morning with purpose. So today, we're going to talk about Kylie's story and how to process grief, how to survive and thrive despite loss, speaking with two people who have some real hands-on experience with it. Welcome, Gaylene and Brandon, to the Love Your Story podcast. Where does the story start, you two? Who, who was Kylie? Well, um, Kylie it was my daughter. She was a kid who always was just like in her own little world. Her grandpa came in one day and she was sitting at the table with some um, swim goggles on. <laughs> and he looks at her and he said, Kylie, what's going on in your little world today? And that is pretty much, that pretty much sums up Kylie. She was her own person. She spent hours and hours on her hands and knees pretending like she was a horse. Um, she loved hard and she 
the thing I think I remember and love the most about her is that she um, just told you, told you, told it like it was. She said um, exactly what she was thinking and nobody had to guess what she was, what she was thinking. I could appreciate that. (laughs) Brandon, who, who was Kylie Teal? You know, just from what Gaylene said when she was young, um, when I met her, you know, years later, um, that description fit her as an adult. You know, she was definitely unwavering in, in her opinions. They were strong opinions and it, it, it didn't really matter what anybody thought if they didn't agree with her. Um, she just stood firm and her opinions on things and, and who she accepted in her life. And if she did decide to love somebody like Aileen said, she loved heart and um, with, with all of herself for sure. And that's what drew me to her. And I think that's the best way to describe her is just that she was just a very real person. How long had you two been together before she was killed? It was about a year and a half. So what were you guys' plans for life before the accident took place? When I met Kylie, I had just recently started um, my own business. So I was kind of in a whirlwind of, of trying to, um, you know, get steady income coming in and, and uh, in a really big kind of transition period. And then I, when I met Kylie, um, you know, I was a little nervous because I was in kind of the most unstable position in my, you know, adulthood that I had been for the longest time. And, and she actually thought it was um, really cool that I was taking a big, a big risk and um, kind of quit my, my career and was taking that leap forward. And um, so that's kind of, you know, we, and she was also in a transition with her career and, and she was teaching and had some other great ideas. And so our, our plan for life was really to kind of grow together um, in our relationship and also in our professional careers and, and kind of figure out along the way what it is we wanted to do. You know, we both knew that we wanted to, you know, be able to support ourselves and our eventual family, but along the way, you know, help people as much as we could. So it was just something we were we were figuring out as we went along, I guess. Thank you. Can you take me to the accident? What took place? I had gotten home from work. It was kind of a late night. I was tired. She was um, dressed and getting ready to go to open gym basketball. She loved basketball. It was a huge part of her life through high school and even afterward. Um, I like this girl already. Strong, <laughs> strong opinions and a basketball player. We might be soul sisters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she uh, she really did love that sport. And uh, she was um, a couple months along at that time maybe a little bit more um, in her pregnancy. And when I got home, she's like, yeah, I want to go play open gym with um, Kristen, who was her best friend and a great friend of the family. And she, Kristen's actually dating Gaylene's youngest son right now. Um, Keeping it in the family. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, but um, anyways, um, so she was kind of asking me, like, hey, how do you feel about, you know, me playing basketball with me being, you know, pregnant and stuff like that? And I was like, yeah, I think it's fine. Just, you know, make sure you tell all the guys there to, you know, not be so rough or anything like that. And we talked for a bit that night and, um, she asked if I wanted to go and, uh, I had just gotten home and she was leaving that minute. And so I told her, you know, like not this time I'll go next time. Um, you know, I'm pretty tired. I think I'm just going to kick back and relax. And, um, that over here in central Oregon that year was the worst winter I can remember in my life. Um, 
you know, we're talking like two feet of snow on the ground. Um, but the roads weren't too terribly bad that night. Um, but anyway, she, she left, um, walked down the stairs, um, came back in a couple minutes later and, and she thought she had forgotten her basketball bag, but, um, it wasn't there. And, um, so she left and I would say about 15, 20 minutes passed by and Kristen called me and she said, Hey, Kylie hasn't showed up yet. And I said, well, you know, um, the roads are a little rough. Um, you know, give her some time. I'm sure she'll be there. And, uh, Kylie's phone was actually, she was having issues with it. So she wasn't receiving texts or phone calls. Um, and so I, I couldn't really reach out to her and just be like, Hey, where are you at? So then, uh, I'd say about 15, 20 minutes later, Kristen said, she's still not here. And I looked out my window, my upstairs window, and I saw that the traffic was stopped on the highway. I could see the highway from my house. And, uh, my immediate thought was, um, oh, there must've been a wreck and she's stuck in the traffic and her phone's not working. So she can't call and let anybody know. And, uh, so I told Kristen, like, I'll just walk out there and see if I can see her car. And, uh, you know, and so I, it was real cold. So I took off jogging that way. Um, I'd say it's probably about a mile, mile and a half or so. I was, I was telling her she needs to get her phone fixed, you know, so we can stay in communication. I was going to tell her like, this is a reason you need to, you know, have a phone that works for, you know, instances like this. And so that wasn't, not once did I think, you know, the worst I was thinking, um, you know, I just need to tell her we need to get her a new phone. The closer I got to, you know, where all the, the lights and sirens were and stuff, um, still wasn't seeing Kylie's car and I saw kind of a dark colored car, but it looked blue to me. Um, Kylie drove a little black car and I asked a firefighter, I said, what color is that car? And he said, it's blue. And I said, okay. And I immediately kind of felt some relief. And then I got up to, you know, where there was a bunch of firefighters and police officers kind of gathered in a little group. And I asked them, I said, um, you know, like what vehicles were involved in this wreck? And they said, who are you? And I said, uh, my name's Brandon. Um, my girlfriend left a while ago. I haven't heard from her. And um, I'm just making sure she's okay. And they said, well, what's your girlfriend's name? And I said, Kylie. And um, they all kind of looked at each other and uh, started to kind of surround me in a way because, you know, we're in the middle of a highway. <clears throat> and um, so then they said, uh, you know, Kylie is was in a wreck and she's um, deceased. And so I immediately went into... Um, was it Kylie Bruce? Can you verify that Bruce is her last name? And he went and asked his, uh, one of the other guys and they said, yeah. And wow. From there, you know, it's, it's kind of a blur, just a rush of emotions, but I do remember, you know, kind of trying to get towards the car and, uh, what did you think when they said that? Like what, like just you saying that, like my stomach just sinks. Like, yeah. What was the first thing that hit you? you know a lot of different emotions all tied up into one really small period of time um it was i was no no that you know that can't it can't be her let me go over there they they would grab me and hold me um don't you hate it when they do that yeah you know yelling screaming you know kind of trying to rip their arms off me you know things like that um eventually you know i just kind of kind of fell down or into the snowbank thing and um, just kind of overcome by shock and, and grief and 
they got me into a this is by the way this is only about as a crow flies only you know a half mile or from my house you know or so probably a mile of driving of road driving but um, they got me in a car and took me home and you know from there i don't remember much more from that night you know i remember zach the oldest son of Galeen's. i remember him coming later that night and my dad my stepdad came did you get to see her so that you really knew that it was real or were you still wondering or no the, the last time i ever saw kylie was um when she walked down the stairs to go to uh basketball so you never saw her body no i chose not to um view her in, during the open casket um, i think everybody else did but um i have a pretty good memory of the last time i saw her um she kind of told we kind of had a little joke between us when she left. I asked, I asked her to get pick me up some ice cream when she came home, and she said, uh, "We'll see, you, fatty," or something like that. You know, so we just kind of jabbing at each other like that all the time. And you know, it was smiles and kisses, and that's imprinted into my brain. And I felt as if I were to view her in the coffin or wherever that that would be. The image I saw when I thought of her. Gaylene, can we shift to you for a minute? What was your experience with this? How did you find out? Sure. So I was um, with an elderly lady that I take care of three nights a week. Um, I was just leaving her house. This was probably about 9.30 at night. And I got a call from Zach, my oldest son. And he... uh, I, I, my phone was on vibrate and I was just headed out the door. So I didn't um, get the call, but I looked when um, I got my car and saw that I had a missed call from um, his, his town, but not his cell number. And he left me a message saying, mom, um, can you uh, call me when you get this message? So as I drove away, I uh, rang the number and um, he said, um, what are you, what are you doing so that you can't answer your son's phone call or something like that? And I said, well, I'm, I'm just leaving Edna's and, um, I'm headed home. And he said, I said, what, what are you doing calling me this time of night? And he said, well, I have some bad news. And at first, um, I was thinking that it had, that it was, had something to do with his wife and his kiddos because she is just a newly licensed driver. And I thought, oh, I wonder if she was driving back from town and, you know, something happened with them. And so that was my initial thought. And um, he uh, told me that uh, Kylie had been in a car wreck. And that she didn't make it. And um, I just remember pulling over to the side of the road and screaming into the phone. And I said, God, please, why did you take my baby? And I think I was just saying no, 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 over again, and 
my son, um, who is really my rock, just just let me just let me vent, just let me cry and um, yell. And finally, I asked him what happened. I said, you know, how, where, where is she? How did it happen? And he told me that um, it actually happened about um, 6.30 and they weren't able to get the call until about 9.30 because they were also at Open Gym, but they were in another town playing basketball. How did he know? How did he find out about it? Um, the sheriff, oh no, um, Kristen, Kristen, uh, finally got a hold of my youngest son, Zam, who's, who she's dating. And, um, she finally got a hold of him once he got cell service. And so, um, so Zaram got a hold of Zach really quickly because he had just dropped him off at at the place he was living and he got a hold of him on the radio on the ranch and said, uh, Zach, you need to come back here um, right now. And so Zaram, Zaram told Zach and um, then Zachary told me. So, and then after that, I believe that the sheriff actually came out as well um, to tell Zachary, but he, they, he already knew by that time. He, he told me what had happened that, Kai was headed to open gym and that she had had an accident. And then he informed um, Kylie's dad. And, and so the first thing I did after I got off the phone with Zach was um, to call my husband and tell him. And then as I drove in um, to my driveway, I just told him that I needed to get off the phone so that I could go and do probably the hardest thing that I have ever done in my life. I had to walk into that house and tell my youngest daughter that her sister was gone. And that, coupled with the loss of my daughter, was um, really excruciating. (laughs) It was horrible, so I told her and we yelled and we screamed and we cried together and um, then it doesn't take long for people to find out as we started getting telephone calls and um, support from people and um, I talked with her dad and then we all just kind of made plans to go to the ranch where Kylie had actually worked that summer before and where my son lives. And so we all, we all gathered at the ranch the next day um, to just be together and start making plans. So what did the next days and weeks and months look like as far as processing that grief for both of you? The next day, for whatever reason, I decided to make a Facebook post. Um, it, partly because I knew I was, you know, going to get a ton of texts and calls. Um, what happened? You know, people were hearing that. You know, it, there was a Kylie that got in a car wreck in that general area where we lived, and you know, so I was already getting, you know, texts and calls. Was that your Kylie? And and I just didn't want 
to interact. Uh, my way of processing things is, you know, is a lot of times it's just on my own, you know, in my own head. And um, and then the other part was, I feel I felt like I had all these things. I I felt like I had all these things that that I needed to to tell her still. So I made this uh, Facebook post basically just talk, talking to her and uh, our child and turned my phone off when I was done and uh, by the end of the day I think it had 35,000 likes and you know by the end the next few days it you know millions of people and millions of shares and wow MSN and and you know all these different national news sites and um it was being printed in different languages in china and it was in australia and in south america and and it it turned into this massive massive thing and uh you know and that's that's really where you know the story. Kylie's story didn't didn't end on that night in 2016 in December. It, it really it really started. You know that next day, and um, so that's kind of how I how I to answer your question. That's kind of how I was able to to process all of that over the and still today. Um, how I was able to process it. And it was, it was really weird for me because that's, that's not what I would normally do in any sort of situation like that. You know, um, I wouldn't reach out. Um, I'm the type that would turn down people offering to bring meals or people offering to do this. Um, I just, you know, I appreciate those things, but I, I just, I, I just, I normally turn that stuff down, <clears throat> but I didn't really have a choice in this. You know, it was, I put it out there as a Facebook post and it was there for the world and and uh then all of this stuff started coming in and and then I started being able to occupy my time by you know reading people's messages and reading people that had also experienced loss and how they dealt with it and, and recommendations and how you know this was changing people's lives and stuff and you know personally that's that's really what got me through um and is still getting me through you know today but. so creating that community and having people start to rally and and be there and discussing this is part of um grieving and dealing with loss yeah exactly it was, you know it was a way of, of talking to a, a million people without talking to anyone you know um it was it, i was able to write and type just exactly what was in my head without fear of, of people criticizing it or, or, you know, um, I would just put it out there straight from my heart and people just really responded, you know, and then I was able to really start telling Kylie's story and, you know, help, helping her achieve, uh, her goal of, you know, changing people's lives. So where did this go? Didn't you end up starting like a GoFundMe um, and 
and then this support and community that you'd created kind of got on board here. Can you tell us about that? That was actually my niece that started the GoFundMe account. And um, then we were able to, uh, so many people came, you know, like out of the woodwork. (laughs) And we had so much support and so much love. And there was um, so much left over that we um, were able to pay for the services, pay for some of the family to um, be able to fly down for the services. And so with that, we um, are just right now finding people, finding uh, organizations, uh, great charities, things like that, that um, we can give back to. So our whole purpose is giving back. We thought about a scholarship fund and that was like the forefront of our minds for a year and a half. But for some reason, I just, I couldn't move forward with it. I didn't, I didn't have like this passion or, or this excitement about, about the scholarship fund. And uh, then Brandon and I were talking a little bit about what we wanted um, on our website and how we wanted to make that scholarship fund work and everything. And Uh, I said, you know, for the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about um, reaching out and kind of manifesting, partnering with with some great uh, companies or charities. And he said, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. You know, maybe like on a very small scale of um, micro, you know, when you go and you pay it forward. And um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, his his one of uh, Brandon's comments was, you know, everybody does scholarships. Uh, Kylie is unique and we need to do something unique um, with, you know, with that money so that we can really, really change people's lives because that's what she wanted. She wanted to make a difference. And um, I truly believe that her story is making a difference. You know, we, if one person just says, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to love harder. I'm going to go reconcile that relationship that may be broken. Um, You know, anything just to make, um, to help people understand that life is so short and that there just really isn't time for negativity. And just to help people understand that also um, the Love Hard Project Facebook page uh, group is kind of a place where people can come and put great things on there, really positive energy, but also um, people have taken the opportunity to write their grief stories there as well. They feel safe. They feel like um, they can share that and nobody is going to judge them. They can grieve how they need to for as long as they need to. Um, And there's always people there that support them and send out positive energy, send prayers their way. Um, And so the page has really um, just kind of been, I think that was kind of my my way of trying to um, help, help Kylie make a difference so that people you know, so that people would feel safe um, telling their stories basically on that page as well. So this is this part of your grieving process because, and, and we haven't introduced this yet, but you've got the hashtag Love Hard Project and the Kylie Bruce Memorial Foundation creating both of these and, and 
supporting things that Kylie would have been all about. Is this also part of the process of celebrating who she was and feeling like she's still with you? And is that part of the grieving process for you both? I would say yes. Um, You know, definitely the Love Hard Project and things, I think from an outsider's perspective, I think it's been really great for Gaylene. You know, it's kind of given her something to latch onto where, you know, she's helping people and it's, it's, surrounded by positivity even though people are telling their stories of grief um people we don't know will jump on there and and offer support and offer advice and things like that um you know for me personally it's important to me for people to know that you know none of this would be possible if it wasn't for kylie you know and sometimes um people will comment or send me a message and say you know like um you're a great writer, you should write a book or some, you know, things like that. And it makes me, you know, I, I've never, I don't take compliments very well anyways, but you know, I'm always quick to remind people that, you know, it's, it's Kylie's story. I'm just, you know, the one typing the words out, you know, um, thousands of messages I've received and comments that say, you know, because I read your post, um, I decided to, you know, reconcile with my husband or I called my mom who I haven't talked to in, in seven years and, uh, you know, kind of hashed everything out and we have a relationship again. Um, people will tag their significant others their wives or their husbands on the post and say, um, you know, I love you. Um, I don't tell you enough. So last year on Kylie's birthday, I, I went through as many comments and messages as I, as I could. And, um, I picked out a lot of those, um, ones I was referring to earlier of, of, of people reconciling or, or thinking, um, for opening their eyes to, you know, that we are, all of our time is limited here and, and you shouldn't spend any of that time hating or having any sort of animosity towards another person. And I went through and I found all sorts of, of comments and messages like that. And I, and I screenshotted them and I compiled an album. Um, I don't even know how many, you know, probably at least a hundred, but that's, you know, that has even scratched the surface. And I, and I posted an album on Facebook and it was my gift, my birthday gift to Kylie to show her, you know, like, uh, you always wanted to change the world and and now you're doing it, you know? So she would always say, um, one thing we didn't talk about Kylie is that she was, she was a caregiver. She was a caregiver of the elderly of special needs children. Um, and she was also a preschool teacher. Um, she always found her, her calling to be in, in helping and assisting others and especially the less fortunate. And, um, she really grew to love her students or, her patients. And, you know, when they were in pain, she felt that. And she would tell me stories, um, about them. And, and, uh, I could just tell that, you know, they were all important to her. And that's what she wanted to do ultimately with her life is, is continue to, to help people and to change lives. And she would always, you know, she would tell me how many kids she would want. It was always more than I envisioned having. And I would be like, well, I don't know about that. And she's like, well, she's like, we're both, you know, good people. We both, you know, love pretty hard. And, um, I want to have a lot of kids so that we can create more good people. You know, the world needs more good people and, um, more people that, you know, can feel love and know how to love themselves. And, um, you know, and I'm personally, I'm, 
I'm a provider. I thrive in roles of, of providing and helping. And that's really where the foundation of my purpose lies is if my family needs help or if, you know, um, somebody needs me to assist them, I spring into action. And then that's really where I feel like I'm, my purpose is. And, you know, when I was, my role as a provider in a physical sense was taken away, um, I still felt some sort of responsibility to, to still do something, you know, and, and that's when I started telling her story and I started um, making posts and writing and just, just writing about her and who she was and how I felt about her and uh, things we talked about. And, um, you know, like I said, people just really started responding and it's changed so many people's lives around the the entire world. And uh, that's, what's important to me is that, people know that Kylie's changed the world, not me, um, but her. And you've helped her do that as her partner. Yeah. I think that's, um, the best way that, you know, I can show her that, um, I love her and, you know, I'll never forget her. I'm willing to be that, that outlet for her to, you know, accomplish her dreams and her goals, so. You run, you hide, a safe disguise, and disappear behind the light. Think you're clever, fool me never, comprehended, you don't inside of you you are the fist in the fight standing up on the front lines you are the streak in the sky showing up in the nick of time i see just who you are and what you leave behind anonymous if you had to give um advice and looking at your own route that you have taken what do you think are the most helpful things in dealing with this level of grief? You know, I think um, obviously not everybody who loses somebody is going to make a Facebook post and have it go viral around the world. So, I, you know, I'm I'm very lucky in that sense of the, of the, out, of the outpouring of support and love I've received. Um, and I feel for people that um, that don't get that that have to kind of figure it out on their own. Um, so, you know, it's hard for me to give somebody who, who wouldn't be in that same scenario advice. And this is how I did it because, you know, I had, you know, people wanting to send me her favorite scentsy smells and deliver me meals and send me things in the mail. And, and, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that lose people that don't have that. And, uh, you know, but my best advice as far as, you know, you still have to deal with that internal grief and you still have to figure it out on your own. And as cliche as it is, you know, it, it's, it's just the time. It, eventually the grief and the sadness slowly be, is replaced by happy memories. And then you can tell stories um, and you can laugh because you remember something she said, or you can watch videos and, the smiles and laughter become more frequent and the tears become less frequent. 
And, you know, that's just what happens over time. Um, my, my best advice would be to, to just get your feeling, whether you, you need to write, whether you want to talk, um, whether you need to call somebody, write it in a journal and nobody's ever going to read it. Anything that's in your head that wants out, um, to get it out, to put it on paper, to say it. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't worry about grammar or run on sentences or, or what people would think. Um, I just said it. And, you know, people really responded to that and, and it, it helped people that have experienced loss of their own or grief of their own. And, uh, you know, so that's, is my best advice is just to, to realize that every emotion, whether it's anger, sadness, happiness is, is a blessing. You know, you, you have to be alive, um, to feel sadness. You have to be alive to feel grief. You have to be alive to feel anger and, although those things seem like negative things, um, it really is a gift that we're allowed to experience them. And I think you should embrace each of them. I think each of them have a place in your emotion and in your life. Um, but I think you should always let love and happiness win in the end. And um, it may take longer for some people. It may take different techniques. Um, but if you can if you can reach a place of love and happiness, then I think you'll be able to wake up every morning and uh, still have a positive outlook on life and and feel like you have a purpose to be here for sure. And Gaylene, what about you? What are those? Um, what are the things you've learned? Because through you have additional losses, the loss of your parents and the loss of your marriage and then the loss of your daughter. So you have had a lifetime of learning how to do this. What, what have you learned about how to deal with loss? I think the biggest thing um, is I agree with Brandon. We have to feel what our loss is before we can even address it. And so um, my sister helped me an awful lot get through the anger of the loss of my mom because it was at the hands of my father. And um, I'm slowly working through that anger um, at my father. I haven't even got there yet. I. I'm, I'm not finished with that part of my story yet. Um, so she helped me a lot to just be able to use the tools, know what tools to use in order to get past that. I um, have done a lot of writing and burning, <laughs> crumpling up, you know, throwing it in the garbage, whatever. And then um, I've also, as I drive, I live out in a very remote area so when I drive I have a long ways to go to really get to anywhere um, I do a lot of talking in my car <laughs> to myself and um, to those that I feel like I need to um, have that conversation with and um, so she helped me with those tools and with with Kylie the same things, however, um, you know, there are days when 
when I am am busy, then that's where I needed to throw myself is into something that helps me to stay to stay busy and focused on what I think would bring her the most honor and what she would want me to do. Um, I know she doesn't want any of us to be sad. Um, she doesn't want any of us to be angry or bitter. Um, and so I just know she wants us to be out doing good things for people. She wants us to be being productive and serving other people. Um, so there are days though, when I don't feel like that's what I want to do. I, um, the, the 20th of this month was the, um, 20th month that she has been gone and it fell right three days about about three days after her 26th birthday so that was a really hard time there for me and um, I thought about her all the time like all day long and there was a time when I just said you know what normally what I say is I would love to have her back here you know, with me so I could hear her giggle and I could, you know, talk to her again about what her aspirations are and what, you know, she's doing with her life and watch her be a mom and snuggle that grandbaby. Um, but I wouldn't want to take her from where she's, where she's at. But a couple of days ago, I felt like that. I felt very selfish and I'm like, I do want to take her from where she's at. I want her here with me um, today because I just missed her so much. And I wanted to be able to touch her. So basically just feeling the feelings that you have and acknowledging that. And I just, I stayed in that all day long. I stayed in that selfish mode all day long because I felt like if I, if I ignored it, that I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really face it. And then it would just be buried again. Um, so just knowing that she wants that she wants me to be doing something productive is, is my biggest thing. And knowing how much she has touched other people's lives um, is a big thing for me too, for the survival. Is the Love Hard Project a space, as I understand it, where other people who are dealing with this type of loss come and they're sharing their stories and you're supporting? And um, is this the type of, of a advice that you give them and allow them just the space to share that. Is that kind of what the Love Heart Project is? It is. It started out just to be a place where we, um, cause I just felt like I felt the weight of the negativity in the world. And every time I got on Facebook, there was something horrible or negative or, and it just was um, really sucking my energy. So um, I had um thought for about three days, um, you know, you should, you should do a Facebook group where it's just nothing but really positive, you know, good things and let people post on there where they see people, um, loving hard. And where we got that was after Kylie died and people kind of started to write and to remember her, um, that hashtag, um, just kind of started popping up. So I adopted the live happy, um, love hard hashtags. And so that's what I decided to call the Facebook page was the love hard project because my, my vision was, was to make a project out of it, to be able to, um, to help other people and, and do those projects. So it started out as just a very, um, 
uh, in high energy, good, good, positive place. And then people, and then people just kind of started to um, post those grievances once they read, you know, why I had, had made the page, had made the group. And so they started to post. And um, so, yes, that's the advice that, that we give. And there's so many people that just support um, each other because they've all, you know, been through that loss. And that's my main um, goal, I think, is to let people see each other's stories and see how they're grieving and see how they are moving on and, um, you know, surviving and not staying um, in the victim mode and, um, and actually conquering. So I, I just read a, a quote by um, Dr. Laura Schlesinger in one of her books. And um, she said, that we shouldn't be satisfied with being a victim nor with being a survivor. Um, she said, you should aim to be a conqueror. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was, was excellent. You know, let's survive, but also let's, um, you know, let's, let's conquer this thing and, you know, see what good that we can do in the world. So I hear from both of you then that the main tips for surviving grief is number one to let yourself feel your emotions whatever they are not to bottle them up not to stifle them not to be ashamed of them not to um, think they should be something different than they are but to let them be what they are and to let them out and to sit with them and then the second is to seek community and sharing and voicing or writing or seeking support outside yourself and then finally just not giving up allowing the healing that comes with time to to move you forward that there is something better as the days move forward and the and the pain slowly dulls that there's something before you would is that an accurate summary yeah i mean i tell people all the time um to this day you know, I probably get three or four a week messages of somebody who's experienced loss and, and they ask me, um, you know, how, how I'm still going. And I tell everybody, um, that there's no wrong way to grieve. Um, everybody has, um, their own way, you know, whether it's a support group or it's, um, keeping certain things around that remind you, um, of the person you lost, um, or getting everything out that you don't want to be reminded. Um, Um, there's no wrong or right way to do it. Um, but I think that, you know, the goal for everybody is to, at the end, no matter how long it takes you or what steps you have to take, um, or what you have to do, the goal is, is to realize that you still have a purpose on this world, on this earth, and that you, you need to keep going and that life is worth living and that, um, you know, to not give up. Um, I guess to summarize it is, don't give up no matter how much you want to, no matter how sad you are, no matter how much you feel like your world is crashing down. Um, there's still positivity. There's still, there's still a difference you can make a positive difference you can make, um, on others around you. So. Thank you. Thank you, Gaylene. Thank you, Brandon, for being here and sharing your story and her story. Um, in closing, Gaylene, do you have any final words you'd like to share? 
No, I, I think Brandon uh, summed it up really, really well, um, just by encouraging those around you that it is still worth, um, it's still worth living. Um, and there are ways that you can deal with your grief, ways that you can um, help yourself to feel better. And I think the most important thing is just, you know, serving people. When you're serving others and trying to find something good and things to be grateful for every day, it'll make that process just a little bit easier. Thank you. A special thanks to our sponsor today, Madeline Page. She was one of the top 20 finalists in season six on NBC's The Voice. She has let us use music from her album, Anymore. Washington Irving said, quote, there is a sacredness in tears. They are not the mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are the messengers of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition, and of unspeakable love, unquote. The pains of loss can leave us stripped of hope, of a desire to go on, and rack us with the worst pains we can experience in this life. But as we've discussed today, there is a way to survive. There is a tomorrow. And even though you perhaps can't see it in the dark places, Others have gone before you and found the way. Follow in their footsteps, even if you're crawling. One step at a time, allow for grieving and loving and celebrating those beautiful souls that you have walked with. Thanks for being with us today, for Kylie's story and for Gaylene and Brandon's stories and journeys through grief. Your challenge this week is to love hard on the people who are important to you. We don't ever know when loss will knock on our door. So today, in this moment, right now, love with all your heart. No regrets. Share this episode with someone who could use it and check out the Love Your Story podcast website for all the past episodes, classes, and life story challenges that help you live your best life story moving forward. Thanks for being here this week, and we'll see you next week on the Love Your Story podcast.